You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Right, we are back with another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. As always, it's your boy Pat Lane, and once again, for like the fourth consecutive year in a row, I am so excited to bring him back on. He is the lead NFL draft and college football analyst for Fantasy Pros. He is Thor Nystrom. Thor, thank you so much for coming back on. I uh, I, lo- I look forward to this conversation every year. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be back. And yeah, we've made it a tradition. So excited to talk about the Patriots class. I, I thought they did really good this year. So I'm, I'm happy to be back in a class I thought they did really well in. Yes. Well, it's funny because we've gone back and forth and last year didn't really go quite as well, we thought at least, although there were some some late around guys that, that did really well for the Patriots. Um, but what I, one of the reasons why I love talking to you is that you're very, I don't want to say different, but you are like a little bit different where you you stick to your guns. You don't let popular opinion outweigh what you see on the film and what you think, um, you know, what you think matters. And and you stick with that. And I really respect that. And so what ends up happening is that you have your rankings sometimes look different than the rankings that we see elsewhere. And I think that's great uh, because, you know, everyone has these rankings that, oh, well, this guy says this and this guy is that. And, and it's like, well. I mean, I get maybe, I guess, but like, you know, just because everyone says the same thing doesn't mean it's true. Right. And so having a different perspective, I think is great. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I pride myself on that. Like I got to call it like I see it. And, you know, during the fall, I cover college football. I've covered these guys that all come into the draft for years. Obviously, when the national title gets done, then I get to watch the kids in the class even deeper and, you know, get into their metrics, even more stuff like that. And yeah, like I don't I don't really care the way the rest of the people see them. Uh like I respect a whole bunch of people in my industry. I'll even read their stuff, but like yeah, like I'm I'm just off, you know, different on my opinions on some of these different guys. And if you watch all the film of these different guys, you follow them, you, you like you get in deep with it, you're naturally going to have divergent opinions. And right. like I think like, you know, you look at a lot of the different draft rankings out there, it starts to become a bit of an echo chamber teams don't draft like that right like that's why we get surprises every team mm-hmm. evaluates the players different and that's how i try to do it i'm not right all the time for sure uh, i have my misses as well i also have my hits because of that so i mean it just pans out however but yeah i just got to call it like i see it yeah no i like it i like it so let's dive right into the patriots draft i do want to talk about the draft kind of as a whole um and there's a, a patriots kind of relevant thing that i want to ask you about but I, let's get into the patriots first and we can talk about that stuff afterwards Christian Gonzalez, first round pick. Of course, they end up trading back from 14 to 17 and still get him. The thing about that pick and, and what's funny about it, and Boston media is so funny because, you know, the next day people were saying, well, do they really want him? Because if they really wanted him, they could have traded up from 14 or they could have taken him right there at 14, but they traded back to 17. If they really wanted him, they would say, and it's like, well, hold on, like, relax. <laughs> like, they knew who Pittsburgh was taking at 14 because Pittsburgh was trading up for that guy. They knew everyone in the world knew that Emmanuel Forbes was going to Washington at 16. Why? I don't know. I love him, but like I, I Emmanuel Forbes is my guy. I choose a guy every year outside of the first round um, to be like my guy. Last year, my guy was Marcus Jones right over my shoulder here. 
yeah. worked out pretty well. Patriots drafted him. It was great. Uh, and Emmanuel Ford's my guy this year. I I jumped on that. I don't know early early February. So I was pretty I was pretty excited about uh, about that um, for him to go that high. And so the only thing, in my opinion, and and you know. My opinion, I don't know, I'm very uninformed, but my my opinion was they traded back from 14 to 17 because they thought Gonzalez would be there, and if he wasn't, they knew either Gonzalez or Zay Flowers are going to be there. And yeah. that was the pick to me at 14, and they said, look, we love Christian Gonzalez, but we'll be okay with Zay, with Zay Flowers if that's the guy, right? And so, of course, it ends up being Gonzalez. And so, I, I just, your opinion, now you had Gonzalez as, as the cornerback three, but not with Forbes second. You had Joey Porter Jr. second. Uh, as opposed, of course, goes in the second round to Pittsburgh, which is which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but why did you have Gonzalez as your third overall corner? And what did you know? You still had him 14th overall, so it's not like you didn't like him. But what was it about him that pushed him down as opposed to Witherspoon and Porter? Well, it's funny, like, and, and everything how you set that up, I, I totally agree with. I think that's exactly what happened. And as far as Gonzalez goes, like, yeah, I was lower on him than most of the media, right? Like, I mean, a lot of lists around, you'd see him CB1, and most of the others, he's CB2. He was CB3 on my list. Not many people had him as CB3. But even then, like you're mentioning, I still had him at 14. Even though I had some trepidations about his profile, the Patriots get him seven objectively, even for someone who's lower on him than most, that is really good value. Uh, the, like, okay, so everybody agrees on the strengths, and I saw the same things. A freak athlete, big package, doesn't seed much separation. Very good mover on the field. Obviously, has a deep speed, does not give up explosive plays, mm-hmm. like, categorically. So, I mean, you're taking that away, whatnot. The thing that concerned me about Gonzalez, he has a bit of a peccadillo that mm-hmm. I sort of hone in on with cornerbacks that maybe I weigh it too much. Uh, it, it, you know, it generally this does not lead me astray with Gonzalez. The reason I knocked him down a little bit is the trait he has that concerns me with cornerbacks is the lack of ability to snap their head around when the balls come in. Mm-hmm. Then you can't even make the play on the thing. And that's how, like, even when you're covering the guy, he can be thrown open. Because, you know, right. the corner's not going to get the head around to make the play on the ball. If the Patriots can fix that, Christian Gonzalez will be a superstar. If they can't, well, I mean, his floor is still pretty high because he doesn't give up separation and he doesn't give up explosive plays. So, you know, at the very least, he's going to be a, a decent, solid uh, NFL corner. Right. But, like, that is the difference. That snapping the head around and then the – because, like, that's a different sort of fluidity, right? Like – and like some people just can't do it. Like they can't play with their backs at the ball and different stuff like that. Cause they, they, you know, like some of the corners are really good with denoting when, when the receiver turns his head, we're doing it naturally with him. Now we both get a shot at the ball, but like right. other corners can't, but again, like if you, if you fix that, you work on that with them, he's going to play way up, but if nothing else, he's going to be a solid starter from you right away. But that's why I knocked him down. But where the Patriots got him, that is objectively good value. I mean, certainly the people higher than him would think that, but even I think that that was a really strong uh, value in that slot. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because it's not something you hear about. You hear about the toughness, right? And you hear about the the unwillingness to tackle or the inability to tackle at times. And look, he's a corner. Like I don't expect him to be some, you know, some hit stick machine. And Devin Witherspoon kind of was that, and I think that's one of the reasons that Seattle was excited to draft him at five. Um, but I think he does enough, you know, and it's funny because people are, are, are talking about, well, you know, the, the Georgia tape is why I put, I knocked him down a peg and I'm like, well, wait a second, the Georgia tape, like 
That was the first game of the season. He's yeah. in a brand new system. The first game of the season against the defending and future national champions. Like that yeah. was the reason why. So it's like, so I'm like, all right, come on now when you, and this is where we talk about like where you have your own instincts and your own opinions. Your own, I haven't really heard that about his, about, you know, the, the issues with him getting his head around. And so, you know, that's a serious, not that I don't want to say it's a serious concern, but that is an actual thing that we can look at and say, well, that makes sense because if you can't do that, you're not going to get as many interceptions. And again, the, the the quarterbacks are so much better in, in the NFL as compared to college so that even if you are covered, like you said, if you're not looking, I can get a throw in there that he that gets completed just because you didn't see it getting in there because I can hit that you know tiny little spot that you can't get to because your head wasn't turned around. So uh, I think that's definitely uh, you know a, a legitimate concern. And again, hopefully the Patriots can fix that. And that's something that does turn him into a superstar if he can fix that. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's not it's not the kind of thing that, like, will mitigate everything else and right. make him an outright bust. Right. But, like, he could underwhelm because, like, that's a trait that the all pro corners have. Right. right? Like, and, and if you don't have that, like, the rest of the stuff will play down a bit. But again, like. He's not giving up explosive plays in the NFL. He just he just takes that stuff away. Where it's going to manifest, it's in the intermediate area, right? Because mm -hmm. like he'll start trailing, and then they can just throw the ball to the guy, and Gonzalez ain't going to see it coming. That's why, like, despite the you know all these physical gifts he has, despite the fact he doesn't give up much separation, you look at his college stats, the amount of receptions and the amount of yards that he gave up, it is escalated over what you would think based on that profile. That's the reason why he can get nicked with paper cuts and he will get nicked with paper cuts a little bit in the NFL until that is corrected or unless yeah. it's corrected or whatnot. But like, again, like there is a real value to taking away right. the explosive plays on one side of the field. And there's a real value to not seeding separation. So like, even without that, again, that's where your floor is. And with the athleticism and everything like that, that we talked about, if you get that, that's how you can jump up. But like, I thought people were ranking him a bit aggressively, because of that because like that's just there but like right. again like where he goes in the draft the nfl has mitigated a lot of that risk for you where like you're drafting where like the floor is going to be this you can be a starter either way but like now that risk of like you know like if this you know there was like the rumors earlier like, you know could the seattle seahawks take him or could detroit right. take him or could the raiders take him whatnot like you pick them up there this was the bridge too far for me you pick them up there that is a real risk because what you're saying is that will be fixed. Like that's, you know, we've seen that for a couple of years with this kid, but like, we will fix this. And like, it's like, I don't know if you can, like that's, you're sort of jumping into the unknown, but again, it could be fixed. We just don't know. But like the risk of where you're taking them was mitigated for you by the NFL, just push them down to the board of the Patriots. And to your point before, it was a smart trade to trade back. Either of those guys would have been solid there. You, you get Gonzalez, who was ranked higher on the boards, even mine being a little bit lower or whatnot. It's good value, and you get the extra picks. I don't know why anyone could argue with it, but uh, Boston media finds a way to argue with literally. They sure do. That's not a surprise. Yep, they sure do. They sure do. So I, I love the pick, and I know you like the pick too, and that's the thing. You know, I think when you start to nitpick, I, I, and I walked away from it, I'm saying, you, how could you not give that an A or an A+. I mean, it's just 
no one can argue with it. And of course, then the next day uh, people were arguing with it. I was like, okay, this is just what we're doing here, you know? So, but, but it's, it is. And, and I think that that's, it's something for Patriots fans to look at, right? Because as you said, and I expect, I expect the same thing from Gonzalez starter from day one, a guy who's a competent player and, you know, can shut down and take away those big plays and can be a little bit of that lockdown corner, maybe. But then the question is, if he can fix those few flaws in his game, now he can take that to the next level and really become an all-pro corner. And that's just what it's going to have to take. And so it's interesting that, you know, we have something to kind of look at and see where we're saying, oh, he's not, he's still not doing that, right? And so as, a, you know, as someone just watching the game, you know what you have you what you have to look for as well. If it's just a fan just watching, oh, hey, let's look out for this Christian Gonzalez if he's turning his head when the ball is coming, the Patriots are coaching that into him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's one of those things you just don't know, but like certainly the Patriots know what his profile is like. Right. And, and they know what to work on and it might not be possible. Right. But like, here's the, here's the thing. Like most of the cornerbacks, like 99.9% of them coming to the NFL over the NFL's history do not have the physical gifts that Christian Gonzalez does. And you can't teach that. So you already have that stuff. And like the things that you're honing in on, they're these like sort of micro things or whatever, you know, he already has the skill set, the, the, the starter uh, toolkit, whatever, like with the rest of this stuff. And with some of this stuff, you just hone in on that during the, the practice days, whatever you have that kid in the building all the time and you just see, but yeah, like, again, like even if he doesn't fix it, you're going to be able to cut them with paper cuts, but not the rest of it. And there's a value to that. And I, it was a strong pick by the Patriots one way or the other. And, and certainly they'll have a developmental plan for him as well. Right. Agreed. All right. So uh, quick question. Uh, let's move on. I do want to move on to Keon White, I think. And we're not going to touch on every single player, but I think at least at the top, it's it's uh, it's solid to look at this. Keon White, you had ranked 28th. You had him as your sixth edge. The Patriots get him, of course, at 46. Um, a little bit of a surprise for me, and and I assume for you. Do you think? Why do you think he dropped down to forty six? Why do you think no one took him until then? It just it. I don't know. Based on what I saw, I don't know what people are watching to have him drop all the way down to forty six. It wasn't just us that was surprised. The NFL was surprised as well uh, as a as a unit because they invited Keon White to attend the draft, and they only right. invited what 16, 18 guys like. The NFL doesn't want players like they don't right. want that awkwardness of them sitting in the green room. They fully expected him to go in the first round. And, you know, at the top, this was a it was a deep edge class at the top through day two. And you also seen this with like the cornerback class and the tight end class where some of the teams, you know, other awesome positions in this draft where other teams that had needs at those positions they would defer to another position in round one, even if that guy was a little bit lower on their board because they knew that a stud or a, a, at least a day one starter at that other position, the deeper position would be available on day two. And I think Keon white was one of those guys that got in one of those position groups that got caught on the wrong end of that decision a couple of times. And then there was a couple of teams that took edges that made surprising decisions in advance of that. Right. Like for instance, the chiefs, it's the last stop in round one. Mm -hmm. That was a team that I thought was sniffing heavily around Keon white. They ended up taking a guy at the same position, but it's it was a local kid, right? Like, right. I mean, like uh, the Felix, I, I don't try to pronounce his last name because I butcher the heck out of it every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but the kid from the Little Apple in Manhattan, it's, you know, hour and a half, two hours away from Arrowhead Stadium. So they had exposure to that kid throughout his collegiate career, 
obviously they thought they saw someone that other something in him that other teams did not. But like with Keon White, like guy with that kind of physical tools in that athletic package generally is not falling out of round one. He obviously has kind of a unorthodox wonky profile, which is mm-hmm. the reason we didn't get to see as much of him. And when we did at the highest level of college football, it was in an absolute train wreck of a situation at Georgia Tech. So, like, it's it's tough with him. Like, it wasn't like one of these Georgia kids that for, like, you know, three, four years is in a developmental pipeline playing around all these other NFL players. And the only time you were being deployed with your usage, it was using you to, you know, the, the peak of your ability and only to your strengths and mitigating your weaknesses. Like, with Keon White, like, last year at Georgia Tech, that team was horrific. So, like, you didn't get to see him even in the advantageous situations once he did get a shot to find right. his destiny of his positional home, et cetera. But, the, you know, just having the tools that he does and the versatility, like, he's a guy that you can play on the edge early downs. Then you can flip him inside. You want to three technique, whatever, rush the pass around the passing downs. You can do all kinds of different things with him just because he's such a freaky athlete in that big package. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny with White because frenetic was a was a term that got thrown around a decent amount of with him because I, I his tools and his moves aren't necessarily there. Like they're not all built. But the one thing I'll say about him that I love when I watch when I watch him play is it just he just never stops. It's just yeah. he just goes and and it's like I might not have a move, but I'm gonna freaking run you into the ground so hard for the next six seconds on the line that at some point you're going to break and I'm going to beat you. You know what I mean? And it's like, and so if you have that will that he seems to have out there, that, that to me, you know, I love that. And then it's funny because you you hear reports kind of come out that he wasn't happy with some of the people that there were some disagreements in the Georgia tech locker room because he'd be pissed at kids that were there that were doing stupid, stupid crap. And he's like, I got no time for this. Like we're, we're trying to be professionals here. Like I got no time for you being, you know, an immature kid. And so I think with that work ethic, and again, that the, the idea that he never quits on the play, I I just think I can't imagine. It's like he was built to play in new England. For sure. Yeah. And with him, it's like, you have to flesh out that, that rush plan, the counters, Right. And then just sort of polish off the technique and maybe decide where he's going to be and let him just do that initially instead of doing that, that whole, we're going to move him inside. We're going to move him outside. Like, yeah. cause like, yeah, I mean, he started old dominion as a tight end obviously found his destiny later on, but like, maybe we just got to keep him in one spot for like a yeah. year or two and just have him learn that, whatever. But like, that's the stuff with him. But like, there's a clear path with that. Like with me, the thing we were talking about with Gonzalez, that, that one thing, that's more of a, bit of a leap of faith because you just don't know. But like with a, a guy like Keon White's background and the things that he lacks, circumstantially, it makes total like it would be a surprise if Keon White had like a fully developed path, you know, and and, and plan when he's on the attack and like a fully fleshed out uh, counter move uh, assortment right now. Right. Like it'd be right. like, wait, this guy was playing tight end a couple years ago. Like, how, <laughs> how does he have that already? That stuff makes sense. And it's something that you would figure you're going to naturally learn as you go along. Obviously he's a little bit older. So it's like, you're, you're trying to thread that window of in the rookie contract. Can they get him coalesce to that these next couple of years? So we can sort of take off while he's still in that rookie contract, but it makes sense. Like wh- where it's at, whatever. And it seems like a guy, yeah, the Patriots would hone in on, we can teach this guy that stuff. He has everything else. He has stuff that you can't, you can't, you can't teach a guy to be six, five, two eighty six. 
be a freaking freak athlete with long levers and everything like that. We can teach him the other stuff. Like, and, and so like, yeah, very good value point where they got him in the draft. And I, I guess the NFL teams were just skittish about that in terms of like, when, how, again, how deep that, that edge right. rushing class was through the first couple of rounds. But for New England, that one is an absolute no-brainer of a peg. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, when you see that, when you see a guy that size standing up on the edge, and you see a, a you know a running back kind of run a wheel past him, and he's just running step for step with the running yeah, back on the end zone, it's like, Keon what White. are we doing, dude? Yeah, you ain't getting away from Keon White. That, it's crazy, ludicrous freak of an athlete. Yeah, yeah. Like, yep. no with him. Yeah. So, so speaking about freak of an athlete, next pick at seventy six, Patriots go Marte Mapu. <laughs> and what I what I found really interesting about this pick is that the Patriots announced him as a as a linebacker, um, and of course he played safety right at Sacramento State. But I think that they're I think that they're going to try to put him into that second linebacker spot, that kind of fast athletic linebacker spot, because this man is like a heat seeking missile, and he just takes people out, and it doesn't matter who they are. The clips from the Senior Bowl is just outrageous where he's just running through people, tackling running backs in the backfield. It's crazy. And so I think that I think that that's where he's destined for. I don't know if it's going to be this year. But Matt Milano, and, and people scoff at that, right? Matt Milano was an all-pro linebacker playing middle linebacker this year. And he came out of the league. He came out of college at six feet even, 220. And so, you know, I mean, Mapu's a little bit taller and a little bit thinner. But, like, you know, we're talking about the same type of athlete that Matt Milano is who just was a first-team All-Pro linebacker. So I think it's a possible move. I don't know what you think about that, but I think it's a, I think it's a possible move for, for Mapu. Yeah, with him, it, it's funny what you're saying about the positional designation because, like, I don't know, it was like a month ago or whatever – I was having this internal debate by myself. It's like, do I put him at safety? Do I put him at linebacker? Right. Like, I, I so I ended up putting him at safety. But like, I mean, like, yeah, it's totally in play with the linebacker thing. He could totally do that, whatnot. It's just how do you see that skill set? And with him, you have so much different stuff there. You, you really like the frame. Obviously, you like the way that he plays the game and everything like that. It's just where is his best fit? It's funny you'll you'll get a kick out of my my comp frame was Bernard Pollard if he was oh, at God. safety. Just be an absolute friggin' hit man, because that's what he'd be there. But like, yeah, like I can totally see moving him up a level, especially where the game of football is going, right? Like yeah. we see the the smaller linebackers now, whatnot, and the guys that can just fly around. And mm -hmm. like that dude's a hit man. Like he's coming for the ball. Uh, the concern with him deep, it would be, of course, leaving him in space, leaving him on an island in coverage. Right. Love him in run defense. Like, yeah, that kid was born to go and get the ball. And take down the ball carry. Like that's just what his destiny is. If if you want to play him in the box, I could I could totally see that. Gonna have to work with him, obviously. Like you're jumping right. up a level and you're also moving him up a level on the field. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, work with that, whatnot. But like the the tool set that you have there is really, really intriguing. And another player that it's like it's really interesting that the the Patriots, you know, sort of honed in on him, right? Like yeah. and are seeing him as this specific thing. And yeah, I, I really like that kid's game and putting him at linebacker. I'm that's a thumbs up for me. Yeah, it's funny because you you talk about you know a small school safety guy, you know, and Kyle Duggar is the is the first name that comes yeah. to mind from Lenore Ryan, and you know, and here's Mapu a few years later, and and he's and he's kind of doing the same thing. And now the concern from a lot of him to Duggar, right? Like, yes. Yeah. 
I don't think he has quite the athleticism that Duggar. Duggar that's is like a why, freak that's why I athlete. Get there with it, but yeah, like I mean, like you see the way that they play, and it's like, yeah, it's it's you know, I, I don't want to say it's the Spider Man pointing at each other, get rid of it. It's like, <laughs> right? Yeah, like you've seen a lot of Duggar. So again, interesting that the the Patriots end up getting attracted to him, and you know, like my comp would change if I knew that the team was taking him was was going to have him as a linebacker or whatever. But like, yeah, yeah, th- those I mean, hitmen tendencies and the ability to fly around and just hair on fire kind of style. Fits him to a T. Well, and not just that. You can't may have changed if you knew the Patriots are going to take him because you can't utter the name Bernard Pollard in the New England area. I I know I know. Like, I wish I could have had a mulligan on that, especially then. But yeah, we, we had to do it. Right. Well, what are you going to do? You know. So, um, so all right, I don't want to get into the, the the massive amounts of offensive linemen they took. I don't know what they were doing with Jake Andrews at one hundred and seven. I feel like that's crazy, but who knows? But the the guy I do want to talk about. Um, or in the fourth round is City Sow. And yes, I was hoping Sow, you were going to say City Sow. I love City Sow. Yes. And yeah. so my question to you is, obviously he came out as a guard. They announced him as a guard. He does have some experience at tackle. He's got the size for it. He's got almost 34-inch arms. He's 6'5". Do you think it's possible that he could be a tackle prospect for them and not just a guard prospect? So I would keep him at guard uh, initially because my 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 chief concern with him it's the technique and pass pro and that's even mm-hmm. like right now it's got to be worked on at guard but like the rest like I was surprised everybody else was lower on him I was like what am I missing with this kid like I love City Sal like I don't if you look at my board I I think I had him like because I checked this out afterwards with the uh, consensus board I think I had him sixty spots higher than that's the consensus crazy. board and yeah. and like during the spring I'm like. Am I missing something or are you guys missing something? Because it's like this kid is in the enormous package. He's super duper long. He has played for years. He has been mm-hmm. productive for years. Yeah, it's at the G5 level, but like he's been really good. Like he's a like you watch him action, like that kid is blowing people out of the gas yes. like that. Yeah. The the run blocking speaks for itself. Like that right. kid is a road grader in the NFL package, whatnot. He has the attitude for that. He has all the tools he needs and he knows how to move you. Then the he goes to the pre-draft process. I was watching, like, how is this going to test? Tested like a freaky athlete as well, yeah. which is like, oh, man, it's just that pass pro technique. That's why, like, the thing with the tackle, I would just try to develop him as a guard initially. Maybe surprises with regards to that, but, like, I want that thing polished off at guard. But, like, I think he can play pretty quick. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know what else you need there. And obviously inside some of those technical things in pass pro, they're not going to manifest as much as they would on the boundary in the NFL against some of these freaky athletes on the right. edge. But yeah, that like, I love that pick. And I, it's, it's really funny. Like Pat, we talked about this last year, but like I was higher on Colt strange than most of the media too. Like yeah. I, I was really bullish on that one. And then the Patriots obviously, you know, it was a surprise pick, whatever, but like this one is what like city South was my dude. Like I, I talked about him on all the podcasts and like, was banging the drum for him as the sleeper offensive lineman. The Patriots took him even a little above where he was on my board. Yeah. But like, I'm totally cool with that. Like, cause again, I think he can play earlier than other people had forwarded him as. And I think his ceiling is higher than people had forwarded him as. I'm not sure why the rest of the, the folks missed him, but not surprised that the Patriots honed in on him. Yeah. Yeah. I think people want him to play tackle because there's a log jam at guard right now. Right. I mean, Jake Matthews gets drafted. Uh, Jake Andrews, I'm sorry, gets drafted to play center, I guess, from Troy. A Tony, Ma- a Tony Omafi gets drafted from UCLA. He's another guard. They already have. They have Cole Strange. They have Mike Onwenu. 
their right tackle position is, you know, in flux, Riley Reef and Calvin Anderson. And then it's, you know, Riley Reef, Calvin Anderson, and Trent Brown, I believe, are all free agents after this year. So it's like, you know, so people are like, well, how come you didn't draft a tackle? You know, so I think I think people are kind of projecting that to hope it will happen. Now, again, the issue is if the pass pro isn't good at guard, what's the pass pro going to look like out, out on the boundary, right? That's that's challenging. So that's a question. But I think, too, like, yeah, develop this kid however you want to develop my thing. I just, when you throw the tape on, he's a large human. And he moves way faster than you would expect him to be able to move, right? And so, yeah. and Mafi's the same yeah. thing. Mafi like was up to four hundred pounds at times in college, and that yeah. kid can scoot, you know, for for such a big guy. So it's it is interesting to to kind of go after these guys. But they took three interior offensive linemen in the fourth and fifth round, and I, I mean, I, you got to protect Mac Jones. I get it, but like at a certain point, I just feel like it's a little bit overkill, you know. Yeah, for, you know, it's funny what you said about with uh, City Sow and the tackle thing. Um, my comp on him was Trey Smith, who was a collegiate tackle, who then, of course, moved in and was a really good guard. But, like, right. those guys, is their profile, their size, whatnot, very similar. And I think they'll be similar NFL players. And who knows? Maybe Trey Smith could have been a really good right tackle. Maybe maybe you see what you got there with City Sow. But, like, I'm super bullish on City Sow, at least as a starting NFL guard for a long time. I like to hear it. I like to hear it. So, all right, let's um, let's move past. Well, okay. Before I do, do you think it's insane that the Patriots traded up to draft a kicker? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like you know, drafting the specialists and the long snappers, like it wouldn't be my bag. So, yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of that, but like, if if they had a bead that another team liked the kid and right. they felt like you know whatever, I don't know. But yeah, like it wouldn't be what I would do for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and look, I, I think ultimately, and what I, I think what I said at the time was like, if he's good, they drafted Gostowski in the fourth round. Gostowski was really good for them for a long time. If he's good, nobody's ever going to remember they traded up for a kicker in the fourth round. Yeah, the, but yeah. if yeah. he's not, then it's a disaster, you know. So a thousand percent, yeah. And like, it, it seems, you know, I mean, just to give them the contextual benefit of the doubt, like the 49ers, they hate. They, they traded – so the 49ers end up trading up in the third round with the Vikings, but haggled with the Vikings on the price because they had the three third-rounders at the you know the very end of the round, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they wanted the Vikings to take the last one. And one of the picks, like, right before that, they took the kicker. The 49ers were obviously becoming skittish of, like, there's other teams that could get up here, like, whatever, with the kicker. So, yeah, it's like sometimes those positions, those sort of niche specialist positions, like – you know, they, they can get pulled up a little bit like with something like that, but at least one other team in the NFL to try to give them the, the benefit of the doubt. They felt like that was right. specialist alley there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good point. That's a good point. So, all right, let's move on to what everyone in new England wants to hear about. And that is the two wide receivers of the Patriots draft in the sixth round. Of course you have wow. Kayshawn booty from uh, LSU and then Demario Douglas from Liberty. Now you we're significantly higher on booty than I've seen a lot of people have. Um, and I, I'll let you talk about that for a second. Demario Douglas, you were really low on not, I shouldn't say really low on, but you had him you had him pretty darn low, which I think makes sense based on his based on what you see from him. I do think that there's a possibility he can jump a bit um just because of what he brings to the table. But first, let's just talk about booty quickly, just because I, I what I don't think what people realize the kid's not 21 yet. And he's made some mistakes and he's been unprofessional and 
immature, but he was 19 years old. <laughs> like, you know, I think there's a chance that the Patriots are able to coach that out of him. And if they can't, they drafted him at 187. Like, I think that, you know, I don't know. I, I'll let you talk about him because I think you know more about the player. And I think the pick is the one thing, but I, I think you know more about the player certainly than I do. Yeah. What is it that they said in wedding crashers? Uh, I'm not perfect, but let's be honest. Neither are you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and with regards to Boutte, it's like, what are the odds that you can turn back the clock with him? Cause you know, like earlier in his career, he was destined to be a first round pick. Nothing could change that. And then, you had the ankle injury, then he gets frustrated, then there's the coaching change, then this year he was checked out and didn't, you know, I mean, both mentally, but also he didn't appear to be moving uh, around as well on the field. Then he goes into the pre-draft process and you're like, okay, Sean, at least test like the stud athlete that you showed yourself to be earlier in your time at, at LSU. He, he didn't. Uh, no. In fact, it was weird. Like at his podium session the day before, he was like promising everyone, like, I'm going to run in the four threes. Like, watch, just watch tomorrow. I'm going to run in the four threes. And then he had a horrific uh, a gamut of testing, did not run in the four three, spoiler alert. Uh, and, and the overall athletic composite was like right around the 50th percentile, just a little bit lower. But it's like you watch him earlier in his career and was way better athlete than that. Is it is that the ankle stuff? Was that was that him checking out last year? he appeared so checked out in last year's opener, the game that everybody watched LSU against Florida state on the Monday night that we were all making jokes about like, you know, Keishon Boutte is going to transfer tomorrow. And then he like had wiped all the stuff from his social media, but then he played out the season. Then after the season, he's like, I'm coming back to LSU, everybody. And it's like, wait, what? And, and then, and then like a day later, he's like, just kidding. I'm going to the NFL draft. Um, it, the story I heard, I, I don't know how much of this is out there, but like, that uh, Brian Kelly's like, no, you're not coming back to LSU, yeah. okay, John. Uh, so, like, that – I don't know that stuff. Like, it, you know, like, it, it's hard to know from the outside. Was that just a personality conflict? And is that what played him down, whatnot? But either way, like, you know, it's like we're talking about with some of these – like, you know, Gonzalez and his thing, that's a way higher example of this, like way higher up in the ether. This one, you go way, way lower, and it's like – what are the percentage chances that we can turn him back into that player, into that athlete right. and get him uh, locked in again? And even if it's a low shot, like the import of that player, like, cause the guy I thought he was early on in his career at LSU, it was Stefan Diggs. Like, yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, this is the second coming. That's the way he moved. That's the way he played receiver. But then like last year, it's like mm, that guy that I'm watching maybe shouldn't even be on a practice yeah. squad. Yeah. So it's like, how do you jive those two things? And honestly, I don't know. Like earlier on, I ranked him a little bit higher because I was like baking in more of the earlier time. And I'm like, ah, I need to be, you have to do both, right? right. Like and try to gauge those percentages better. So I knocked him down a little bit, but it's like, yeah, like if, if going forward, he is who he was last year. I don't even know if he makes the Patriots this year. They'll probably just move on from him right away. But if there's, they denote like, oh, that potential is still dormant in him. We can get that out of him. Maybe he was just too close to the injury, the shakes, that, whatnot. Now he's in a better situation. We'll get through to him. Yeah, I mean, this could be an enormous steal. So basically what I tried to do in my final ranking of him was just sort of, you know, cut the difference, right. uh, split the baby, which means that I'm for sure going to be wrong. <laughs> Way because it's gonna be one or the other, and I just went right. in the middle and just try to be safe. But like that's what it is. No one could say, like, even if the Patriots say they know what he's gonna, they don't know. 
Right. Like, we're not going to know till he gets there. But, yeah, there is that shot. He becomes that guy from before. Enormous steal. There's also that shot that, it, you know, you, you shot from th- downtown. You missed it. Whatever. At this price point, it does not matter. You just take a shot on that upside. Right. I agree. I agree. At, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the testing. I mean, a 29-inch vertical. Yeah. I can, his, you and I can jump higher than that. It's possible. And yeah. and his broad jump was under 10 feet. I mean, that is – it's incredible. I mean, there are offensive linemen that are putting together better jumps than that. And, like, yeah. he's a wide receiver. I, it was incredible how horrendous his tra- his testing was. Especially uh, when you look really at his, shocking. You, you look at him on tape earlier in his career. Right. It's like like, like if, if you had, like, a time capsule, like if we had the DeLorean and the flex capacitor, and yeah. we went back and told ourselves, like, when he was playing early on at LSU, like, this is what this guy's athletic testing at the NFL Combine is going right. to be in just two years' time, you'd have been like, no way, get the F out of here. But, right. yeah, I mean, that, that's what it was. We can't jive, jive it right now, but, like, we'll see how it goes going forward. And, like, again, at that price point, you just – you pull the trigger, you just see. Well, that's it, right? That's it. So, um yeah, I know what he sets the SEC record for for receiving yards in a game as a freshman, as a true freshman. So it's yeah, ridiculous. He was, he was actually a stud, like coming out right away. And yeah, yeah. sort of a Benjamin Button career. Yep. Yeah. So, strange. Uh, and then Demario Douglas is the other one uh, from Liberty. Obviously, small frame. Uh, no, I mean, his arms are like 32 inches long. They're super yeah. short arms. Wingspan isn't very big. So there's a small catch radius, and he's little, but he can move. And, you know, I look at I look at a guy and, and you know, Marcus, I loved Marcus last year. I think Marcus Jones has a different wiggle to him than than uh, Demario Douglas does. But I think that he can bring something similar to that, something approaching that um, in the offense. I think you're going to have to give him some design plays. I don't know if he's going to be able to get open over the middle or anything like that right away. But I do think that he can he can provide something to them they don't have. They don't have a guy like that. I mean, they were putting Marcus Jones on offense last year. He was like their most electric offensive player last year. So, yeah. like, you know, if you can bring a guy like this in, they've had success with guys like this. They worked with them close to the Shrine Bowl. I think that it's, of course, it's a shot in the dark. It's one of those that you're like, you don't know if it's going to work because he's so little. And yeah. guys like that typically don't work out at, at the wide receiver position, but I think there's at least a chance based on what you see on film, in my opinion. For sure. Yeah. And you know, I, you're right. I, I ranked him a little bit lower and it's not, it's, you know, it's, how do you say it? more about me than him? I think yeah. Uh, yeah. because a couple of years ago in a class, a player very, very similar to him. I ranked like I was bullish on him and I ranked him higher and he hasn't done it for me. And so it's like the same kind of guy coming out. You're like, oh. who was it? Jalen Darden. Oh, yeah. I love that kid too, man. Out of North Texas. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, yeah. it's it's the smaller receiver. It's the joystick agility. And then he's doing stuff against that lower level of competition. And you're like, that movement's going to play moving up. You, you know, you're bullish on it. But like with Darden, it hasn't yet. And like with <laughs> – you know, it, it's stupid because it's had nothing to do with Douglas. No, but I like, know, but if, if Darden had worked out, I absolutely right. would have Douglas right. ranked higher. And because it, it has absolutely nothing to do with him. But like that's that's where it came down for me was like we made the mistake last time with the guy with a very similar profile. Like Douglas, like it's the same sort of a deal. Like, what do we see in him that's different than Darden? Not not so much. You're not the same right. guy. Like it's not like you have to follow the same destiny, whatnot, but like. Yeah, like I obviously I made a little bit of a mistake putting Darden up a little bit higher. And it's like you see the same guy maybe artificially deflate his value a little bit more because of that. 
And again, that's that's just on my end of it. But yeah, like the movements for Rhea, he's obviously productive in college. It was at a lower level. Now you yep. got to jump that up. The NFL, like the movement is is for real. Like that is even, you know, way above average for the NFL. Like he's very good at that. But it's like the rest of this stuff, we'll just have to see. That was the thing with Darden where he couldn't go from North Texas and Conference USA. He couldn't, you know, the rest of the stuff, he just couldn't overcome it, you know, going to the NFL or not. But we'll see. We'll see if Douglas can. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It is interesting, and that and that happens. I mean, the, the what happens in the past changes what we decide. I mean, look at look at Will Levis or, or Anthony Richardson. Like, if if you don't think Josh Allen has something to do with those two guys, you're fooling yourself because Josh Allen, you know, basically couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat when he came out of college, and but he's just such a physically gifted athlete and his mentality is one that he works until he gets it right and he figured it out and so you just think or well if anthony you know anthony richardson is a little bit faster than josh and he's the both the same size and he's got a cannon for an arm josh worked out he might work out you know and, and it might be an absolute disaster but because josh allen worked out you, you know you you take the chance on anthony richardson so i think i think certainly past past performance is certainly um you know certainly kind of uh skew what we do and, and i think Look, for me personally, in the Patriots draft, I think I like what they did at the end of the draft because you took chances on – I think, you know, Boutte is an interesting one because he could be so good. Douglas is an interesting one because he brings a skill set that the Patriots don't have right now. Amir Speed, I think, is is primarily a special teams guy. I think a special teams only guy. But Isaiah Bolden is a fascinating one because he has some experience at, at Jackson State, but there's serious question marks about whether he can actually do it but what the heck? You take a shot at 245, he's got speed. And so you figure, well, maybe he can be something. And if he isn't, then maybe he's our kick return specialist or just a special teams only guy. And if he doesn't work out, then he doesn't work out. It's 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 a seventh round. What difference does it make? But, you know, those are the types of shots that I want to see the Patriots taking because if they hit on – out of those four guys, if they only hit on one of them, that's a massive win for them. You know, and so take the chances on those freak athletes at the end of the draft. And if you hit on one of those, as opposed to drafting a, a guard or, you know, a guard or a defensive tackle there, great. You hit on one of those guys, great. But if you hit on, on, a, on a safety or a corner or a wide receiver in that spot, now you're talking about a, a high leverage position that you draft in the sixth or seventh round. It's huge, you know? I totally agree with that. Yeah, like with those late picks, that's exactly what I would do. I would swing for the fence every time because – it don't matter. Like if, right. if you show up in camp and the kid can't play, you know, and, and you can't see a clear path to we're going to develop this guy into a guy that can be a starter or whatever, it's caught him. Like it doesn't matter, yeah. right? Like those those picks are worth so much less than the first round picks. Like just look at the trade charts, right? Like a, right. a mid-seventh round pick is, you know, how, like how one point. Yeah, like against like the, you know, the first round picks, whatnot. So like – those picks, I would always be shooting for the moon. And I don't care. Like, if, if it doesn't – it's not like it's a bust or anything. Just move on, right? Like right. And, and, and you know, if you do well in the UDFA process as well, you can even mitigate your risk less. You can only keep so many guys on your roster. Right. So, like, yeah, I would be I would be shooting the moon every time once we got into late day three, if it was me. Yeah. It's interesting what the Patriots did this year because I, I was very surprised they took so many players, but I almost feel like – they took those players instead of the UDFA. Like it was almost like, well, 
instead of fighting with people to sign them, we're just going to draft them here because they're all later round picks anyways. What difference does it make? And what are we going to do? Like trade this sixth round pick for a fifth round pick next year? Like what's the value in that? Just take a guy here and and see what happens, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, sometimes they don't even like to foray into the UDFA no. process. What was that a couple of years ago? They like didn't sign. Yeah, they had. Yeah, later. they had Quinn Nordine or something like that. And That's he was right, Quinn Nordine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Michigan. Yep. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, and look, you gave the Patriots a B plus. I think I my final grade was a B plus on the Patriots too. I just think that there was a lot of things they did well. I think the beginning of day three. I was like, by the end, by the third offensive lineman, I'm like, we're four picks in a day through with the Patriots. They've drafted a center, two guards, and a kicker. I'm like, what are we doing here? You know? And then, but but they redeem themselves at the end by taking the two wide receivers, the two corners, and then they take a punt or two. But that's important. Like, you know, fine. In the sixth round, who cares? You know? So, and if that guy's going to start for you and play well, then it's well worth it, you know? So, um, but anyways, but that's kind of that's kind of. Do you have any any last you know just last final thoughts on the Patriots draft? I have one or two more questions I want to ask you. But uh, any final thoughts on on the Patriots draft? I thought they did a great job. And just some context about my grading, I I grade on a curve, right? And so like I'm, I'm I think I think I'm the only person in the media that does this. But like I have two F's every class, two D minuses, three D's, you know, two D plus, you know, the whole deal. Just try to spread it as, as evenly as possible. So like. A B plus for me is a real compliment. Like there was yeah. only, I don't know, like maybe seven or eight classes that I would have had above the Patriots. So like, I thought the Patriots did real well this year. Like I'm a really big fan of this class. Yeah. Yeah. And your write-up is so funny because you, because you said it. And I just think like, you know, <laughs> you said the Patriots are going to Patriot. Like, I just, I love it. Yeah. I love how you start with that. And it's so true. Like they don't care. They don't care what anybody thinks. And so what turns out to be, and what happens in this case is that about half the picks are really good. And people are like, wow, those picks are really good. And then half the picks, people are like, what the hell are they doing? And sometimes yeah. those picks work out and sometimes they don't. And people are like, oh, these idiots are taking this guy. And then other times they're like, what the hell? How did the Patriots do that when they didn't know? It's just like, no, they just do it all the time. So that sometimes it works out, you know? I would pay so much money to get the Patriots draft board after every class just to see like how weird it was. Like it'd be yeah. like watching like a full season of stranger things, but right. just like the, the players they're interested in, you're always just super interested. And that's totally it. Like you put them at the top of the NFL of we don't give enough what you think every single year, like over the last, however long. Right. Yeah. It's great. It's great. One question I had really quick, cause it, it does relate to the Patriots a little bit. Monty Austin Fort, who used to be on the Patriots is now the GM in Arizona. You gave their gear, their draft a, a D plus. Um, I was just curious about your thoughts. They obviously moved back from three to twelve with the huge trade with the Texans. They get the Texans first round pick next year and third round pick. Then they jump back up from twelve to six to take Paris Johnson. And then I think it was, I think really for you, it was kind of these other picks, the Garrett Williams pick. I think you were really low on. I love the Michael Wilson pick, but it was kind of like, you know, was there? Did they get? really a ton of value in their other picks. Now, of course they might be set up to have two top five picks next year, which is incredible. Right. And so obviously that's great for them, but that doesn't have anything to do with the draft class of this year. Right. And so like, and so I think that, and you mentioned that when you, when you wrote it is like, Hey, look, they're, they're set up great in 2024, but like that doesn't impact what they have on the field in 2023. Right. And so I think you're just grading the draft class. A thousand percent. Yeah. Like, you know, I mentioned before I do it on the curb, but the other thing I do, it just makes it easier is 
I try to judge the ball where it lies with the picks that are made that year in the slots that they were made. Right. right. Like, so, you know, some people, you know, it was funny. I, I had this conversation earlier today, but like uh, about like some people will bake. I, I was talking with Evan Silva of established run. We, we were running yep. through AFC grades and he was talking about how he, he baked the trades into the draft grades, but like even, you know, trades that were made like a year ago where they traded yep. our pick for a veteran, you know, like, he he was baking the Deshaun Watson trade into the, the Browns class, whatnot. And like I I don't know, like I just can't galaxy brain it that far. Cause like when you start to go into every for me, you either have to do all of the transactions that led up to that moment or right. none of them. And right. just judge the picks in the slots that they were made. And I I go with none of them because like I, I would like to do some, but it's like all the different transactions that led up to it, that's where it becomes like a, a little bit too much and a little bit too confusing. I just find it easier to judge the ball where it lies. As far as this one goes, I tried to, I appreciate you bringing that up. I tried to acknowledge that of like what they did in grabbing next year trade equity sets them up really well in a draft class that the NFL right now really likes. Although it's funny because every single year the NFL will yeah. like talk up the next Same year's thing. class as opposed yeah. to this year's. Um, but anyway, like, they, they do like it next year, and at least at the very top, we know that there's going to be two mega-asset quarterbacks, if nothing else, right? right. Like, I mean, Drake May and Caleb Williams are, like, they will be, and, you know, it might be one, two, you know, they're certainly going to be top five. So, like, you know, obviously, even if Arizona keeps going forward with Kyler, that will be an enormous trade asset, whether it's that pick, whether it's Houston's pick. I like that they did that. I like that they set themselves up well for next year, but I, I just had to judge the picks as they were made in those slots. And, like, you start out with Paris Johnson Jr., he was my tackle one too. So like we're seeing something similar ish. It's just, I don't see that big of a difference between him and Broderick Jones, where you're going to give up whatever they gave up to go up and get him. Right. And then, you know, like item number 10 on my board, they, they went up to number six. You could just stay put where you were. You could have taken Broderick Jones. Don't know if you had to give up that much more to, to pay him more with, with that slot, whatnot. I'm not an Ojalari guy. Like I'm like some people are, I, I wasn't as much in, again, in that edge class, we're talking about where you have the depth of the guys through mm -hmm. at least the end of round two. And you take that kid 41. Uh, there was, there were several other edges that I like more on the board at that time. So that's why I was kind of out on that Garrett Williams. Yeah. Like when he was healthy and, and all that sort of stuff, like his, his high end on his film. Yeah. Like that supports where they took him. But, like, he's coming off the injury. You don't know what you're getting there. You don't know when he's coming back. Right. And there's still polishing of his game that needs to be done after that. So, like, just taking him where they took – I just thought yeah, it was a little bit too much risk and uh, jump into the unknown with – I mean, you take him 72, you're – I mean, that's that's a premium-ish pick. Right. Right? Yep. Like, just a little bit too much risk for me. Love the Michael Wilson pick. I Like, that. that's the one where it was, like, chef's kiss on that one. That kid was so underrated. And it was like, it's funny, the injury thing, like the other way with Michael Wilson is like the, the past couple of years, he'd be like on the field, off the field, on the field, off, off the field. Can he kick those nagging injuries? That's really the only question with him. He has a super special ability, especially with this receiver class that's stunk and had so few like true boundary receivers. He has a special ability for receivers as big as him, almost 6'2", 213. To, and this goes even beyond his athletic profile, which is 95th percentile. This is something they can't uh, test for. Right. That he's elite at is the deceleration and the acceleration out of the route breaks. They quantified this with the chips and whatnot. Like, so at the senior ball, they out of every single position, regardless of position, only two players finished top 20 max speed and top five in deceleration 
One of them was athletic freak Trey Palmer, who is smaller and lacks ball skills. The other one was Michael Wilson, who yeah. is, again, 213 pounds and, and tall and whatnot. And you see that on film. Like, he constantly does that thing of, like, he's, he's going along the route, slams on the brakes. Yeah. And, like, you see the skid marks from the cornerback. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and then he's, like, skidding back on the field. And now there's nobody around Michael Wilson. He, he throws these throwing windows open so wide open for the quarterback. It's like even someone, you know, like with Tim Tebow's accuracy could hit him, right. you know, like he would reel in the catch. So, so I love that stuff with, with him. He also has really good body control, different stuff like that. He's his physical dimensions are weird. Cause he, he actually has shorter arms for that size, but like that freakish thing that he has with the overall yeah, athletic doesn't matter. In that size doesn't matter. So yeah. like, I really like that one. Some of the other picks later on, I disagree with, but yeah, like next year they set themselves up. Right. That's cool. Well, listen, you hear him. He's, I mean, it's the knowledge and the knowledge. What we come here for Thor is the knowledge and, and the enthusiasm. And that's, that's the thing that I love about you the most is obviously the knowledge, but then the enthusiasm as well is, uh, is fantastic. So I appreciate it. One thing. Uh, oh, oh, is he frozen? Are you frozen Thor? Oh boy. Looks like he's frozen. Maybe he'll be back. Maybe he won't be. I don't know. But we were going to let him go anyways. We're just wrapping up. But uh, I, well, I there you are. It, now it, you're back. Now I see it. You were giving me compliments. It's like, now you see it. this is the good stuff. That's no, that's it. it. No, that's it. Like I said, the the enthusiasm and the knowledge is, is fantastic. So we love it. Uh, I will let you go. But before I do, I want to tell you, this is what's funny about you talking about, you know, following the, the trades and stuff. The Patriots last year traded back from 21 to 29. Okay. With the Chiefs. They trade back 21 to 29. Fine. Okay. But then you get a you get a few draft picks in there. Well, then they traded that draft pick back to get another pick and a third round pick this year. So out of that one trade, you end up with Jack Jones, Bailey Zappi, and now Marte Mapu. And so it's like then it's like the spider web of like the okay, well, how do we, you know, and so it's like, you know, okay. and that's the thing. It's like then we're following, and that's just the Patriots. That's one trade. And so now you got to follow all those. Like, how the heck can you possibly do that? So you I'm with you there. You know, strange from the X-Men universe, like, f- like all the right. iterations and the alternate reality. I just can't. F- yeah. But yeah, you're yeah. totally right. Exactly. So Thor, before, before you go, tell everyone where they can see you and read you and hear you and everything else. You can find me on Twitter at Thor KU and you can find my NFL draft stuff, college football stuff at fantasy pros and betting pros. Love it. All right, Thor. Thanks so much. And uh, I already can't wait until next year when we do this again. Um, I, I'm already putting it in my calendar. I always love talking <laughs> to you. Kyle. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, buddy. And come on now.